Welcome to Spark Your Fire Podcast. Content discussed on this podcast is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals. Now, let's start with the quote of the week. It is very dangerous to have a plan B because you're cutting yourself off from the chance of really succeeding. And the reason, one of the main reasons why people want to have a plan B is because they are worried about failing. What is if I fail, then I don't have anything else? Well, let me tell you something. Don't be afraid of failing because there's nothing wrong with failing. You have to fail in order to climb that ladder. Good listeners. Welcome back to the show. Uh, It's Jazz here and I've got my usual co-host friend with me, David, and a special guest, which we'll announce in a minute. But before announcing, David, how are you? Good, mate. Good, good. Sorry, I was uh, expecting you to say culprit, uh, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're both in this together, uh, and it's good to have you do the uh, do the opening for once uh, for change, I guess. Well, you've been doing a lot of openings for, the, uh, for, your other, um, for your other series anyway, so it's good. Well, um, there's a lot, of, a lot happening in the property market and all the other places, and it's becoming hard for us to cover everything uh, on our own and obviously John as well. Uh, but for today, we have got Melinda, Melinda from Brisbane, uh, Streamline Property Buyers, to give us an update on what's happening in the Brisbane property market, which seems to be running pretty hot like everywhere else. But before that, Melinda, welcome to the show again. Thank you again for having me, Jazz and David. It's wonderful to be back. I know it's been a few months since we last spoke and hasn't a lot changed in that time. <laughs> Every day is a new day over here. It's, it certainly is. Uh, and, and I know BAs are very, very busy at the moment. So thank you for taking time out in order to uh, give our listeners a bit of update on what's happening on the ground. Um, okay. Yeah, I do really. feel, yeah, I do feel, I don't know, from, I mean, from Sydney's perspective for the last two months, the price has really escalated in the last two months. I don't know whether it feels the same, Melinda. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, the last two months in Brisbane, mm. uh, really the buyer demands become almost out of control and you know compared to what we were paying for properties back in November December last year to what we're having to pay to secure properties today um, there's been a big shift and you know data is one thing data is a very very much a lagging indicator right now what we are seeing on the ground is something very different to what the data indicators are showing us and I think it's really important for people that are interested uh, in buying in Brisbane to understand what's happening around the city because it really is growth that I've never seen in my lifetime. So mm. growth that you have never seen in your lifetime. That's a pretty big statement, Melinda, and you are a pro at what you do. So explain that a little bit. Let's drill down into that before we jump anywhere else. So, yeah, what I mean by that is that it's the the speed of the market that is um astonishing to be honest Um, and even conversations that we're having with sales agents they really don't know how to price a property and appraisals that they're putting forward to their sellers um, you know the the price is exceeding those expectations not just by tens of thousands but in some cases by hundreds of thousands of dollars it is it really is out of control in some pockets largely the demand is being driven by those owner occupiers um, however, certainly in our own inquiry, we're starting to see a lot more investment activity coming back into Brisbane and the buyers that are looking to position themselves in an investment property are now attracted to the affordability and the yields that Brisbane offers, as well as the, the huge capital growth opportunity that um, presents itself. So 
it's sort of across the board in the areas that we're buying, um, which is in the Brisbane City Council region and certain pockets within Moreton Bay. Um, I really can't speak specifically about what's happening out in Ipswich or in Logan or the Redmonds Shires because we're not actively on the ground in those locations and we can only look at the data to help us understand what's happening there. But in the locations that we're very active in, it's it's very strong buyer demand, very strong price growth. And, um, and as I said, looking at the data itself, um, it doesn't necessarily tell us what's happening in specific pockets because it's very much a lagging indicator at the moment. Um, people need to be on the ground to understand just how much people are paying for properties, you know, through auction um, win amounts and also through the, the prices that people are securing properties for under multiple offer. I don't think there's been a property purchase that hasn't had more than one offer uh, put forward in Brisbane um, across the board recently. So it is very, very competitive. So that's interesting. I was I actually shared some stats with David. I'm not sure whether he had a chance to look at it or not, but um, CoreLogic Index suggested that it, um, we have seen the fastest monthly growth in the last 17 years, pretty much across all the states, mainly Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Perth, when I say across all the states. So uh, that sort of marries up with pretty much what you are saying, that it's uh, red hot currently in the market. Yeah. But what's... Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to elaborate on that because the core logic, just the core logic data that came out at the end of February, so published on the first of March, um, it showed Brisbane had price growth of one point five percent in that period. Now, remember, these are settled sales, so this is looking back to what was happening at least thirty to sixty days ago, um, and we've seen a huge acceleration in Brisbane you know, in more recent weeks. So I feel like that is a lagging indicator. And the other thing that a lot of listeners need to keep in mind is that CoreLogic data for Brisbane incorporates a huge geographical area and a large number of property transactions. So that is the median uh, growth for greater Brisbane, including all of Southeast Queensland, effectively excluding the South, um, the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast. But uh, when you're looking at specific pockets within Brisbane, it really... Um, is a different story and price growth is much higher than 1.5% based on what we're seeing on the ground. Mm -hmm. So here's a question, Melinda. Um, there was another set of stats that I was looking at this morning, which is housing finance approvals. And honestly, when I look at that chart, it's literally a hockey stick where the finance approvals for the owner occupiers have gone up uh, ballistic in 2021. Um, whereas investors still are, uh, the activity is uh, Gaining, moment, gaining momentum, but it's still relatively slow. Uh, what I'm trying to get to is owner-occupiers normally won't drive the prices higher. So this is an investor's podcast. So covering it from more from an investor's perspective, investor activity still is lagging, although it's going in the right direction. Do you see much price growth happening over the next, in, in this bull run, basically? Yeah, look, owner-occupiers are definitely driving the market here in Brisbane as well. However, just through our own inquiry, we're seeing a huge uptick in the number of investment inquiries. So I do think that while a lot of that data is um, for lending is put out at a national level, I think that there's um, investors that potentially have a higher concentration of interest in Southeast Queensland at the moment because of the opportunity that it presents. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we're definitely seeing a lot of inquiry from investors. And in fact, on our own level of inquiry, I'd say there's more inquiry from investors than there are from owner occupiers at the moment. 
Um, and those investors really are wanting to tap in and, and get into the market, um, understanding uh, that there's a lot of upside potential for growth, but also in an environment where interest rates are so low, um, we are at historical low levels, um, it doesn't cost an investor a lot to hold an asset. So in a lot of instances, because the gross yields in Brisbane are a lot more attractive than they are in other major capitals of Australia, such as Sydney and Melbourne, um, if investors do have a cash deposit um, and they're only lending at an 80% LVR, in most instances, they've got a, a cash flow or a positively geared property at the very least, depending on whether they're interest only or principal and interest lending. So that's very attractive for an investor to get into a market um, where it's actually not going to cost them a lot to hold the asset. Um, mm. The important thing is that the location uh, will drive the capital growth opportunity regardless of where you're buying. So you really need to focus on quality assets that will get the maximum uplift in value uh, because, you know, in an environment where interest rates are low, whilst they're going to be low for the next, you know, two or three years, they won't be low forever. So you're really wanting to get the traction from the maximum equity uplift during the time where it is so affordable to get into the market as an investor. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, actually. Um, if the market keeps going the way it is going currently, right? Uh, I mean, generally, this kind of trend you see towards the end of the cycle, property cycle, where prices just go, or not prices, the activity just goes crazy in the market. But we are seeing that right at the pretty much start of the cycle, right? Are you still holding on to your original forecast, which you made over the part last year, that this property cycle will see a growth of 15 to 20% on based on the activity on, in the market and the low interest rate environment, uh, there is more bullishness to it than originally thought. Yeah, I think there's a lot of macro um, data that's changed since we last spoke on the podcast and I see more price growth than, than what you know I suggested might happen last time we spoke simply because since then we've had a further reduction in interest rates We've had the introduction of a vaccine that's um, brought a lot more consumer, a lot more confidence into the market because people feel that the worst of COVID-19 is now behind us. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also seen an improving local economy here in Queensland. Um, we've got um, unemployment improving. Uh, and let's not forget the huge announcement just recently uh, that Brisbane's now the front runner for the 2032 Olympic Games, I mean, that's game-changing for our region, not only from an economic perspective because the number of jobs that that will create in fast-tracking a lot of the infrastructure that um, will be needed to get commuters around the city, but um, just also from, you know, putting Brisbane on the world map, I think that that's got a lot to say about, you know, the direction that we're heading as a city. So it's really, you know, positive news for Brisbane all around, and I think because of that, you know, what we're seeing locally, I think in some areas we've seen 10% in the last three months and, you know, it's it's not slowing down because in areas, um, and these are typically, you know, areas that are dominated by owner-occupiers and we're seeing those owner-occupiers, you know, paying well over what they would have paid just six, four to six months ago um, mm. and that's simply because they are looking to capitalise on an environment where interest rates are so low, they're looking to upgrade um, the biggest difficulty that we're having at the moment is those that do intend to sell and upgrade, but there's nothing to buy. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle. You know, they're, they're wanting to sell so that they can um, purchase elsewhere. But, you know, when there's such low listing volumes and the latest CoreLogic data shows with um, nearly 29% down on total listings in Brisbane compared to 12 months ago, I mean, that's significant in an environment where you've got 
a huge uptick in the number of buyers. You can sort of get an understanding of why we're having to line up to get into every open home on a weekend. It really is frantic out there on a Saturday. Interesting. Um, and much change in the uh, suburbs that you mentioned. There was few suburbs that you mentioned last time, Morning Bay being the council, uh, Morning Bay Council being one of them. Um, with the uptick in the mining activity, do you are you seeing that the investor activity is more driving towards those kind of markets or... Yeah, look, I think that the improvement in mining activity um, doesn't benefit any specific area of Brisbane as a whole. I mean, there's no there's no target suburbs within Brisbane that see an improvement um, off the back of mining industry changes. Um, I think generally the economy for Queensland improves off the back of it and improved um, mining conditions and certainly some regional towns will also improve. Mm. Um, I think that the the locations within Brisbane, it's the local drivers of supply and demand that are having the biggest impact. And, you know, when we're looking through what's been changing over the most recent months, um, the biggest indicator that um, we've been keeping an eye on is those vacancy rates for Brisbane. As a whole, we're currently sitting at 1.7% uh, across the city. Uh, however, there's certain pockets in Brisbane um, at a suburb level I know of one suburb right near in Moreton Bay, right near the university precinct, it's at 0.2%. You know, that's the suburb of Petrie right now. There's no properties available to rent. So you can get an understanding of what's happening at a local level when you're not only out on the ground every Saturday seeing the number of people out in the market to buy, but also um, talking to property managers, getting an understanding of how many people are in the market to rent because often what's happening in the rental market precedes what's likely to happen in the sales market. And when we're seeing such a stock shortage for rent, we're seeing upward pressure on rents. Um, we're seeing similar in the housing market in the, the sales sector. We're seeing huge lineups, high demand and upward pressure on prices. So regardless of whether we're looking at the rental market or the selling market, um, it comes down to the balance between supply, the supply of housing, how many listings there are and how many new dwellings are being created as well as the demand for those properties. Um, and I know, you know, South East Queensland as a whole has seen a huge, huge demand um, for property most recently because of um, an enormous uptick in interstate migration. So, you know, we are the beneficiary of a lot of new um, migrants coming from Sydney and Melbourne. Um, the fact that international borders are closed uh, hasn't seen any major population um, shifts to the negative in our city. It's actually um, seen more and more people relocate here from other parts of Australia. So, you know, that puts further upward pressure on the demand for housing simply because of the number of people looking to rent or looking to buy. Um, and that's also one of the contributing factors at play right now. Mm. All stars aligned because, you know, people are escaping away from Melbourne and Sydney and now rushing into Brisbane to try to, to, try to make that... Uh, yeah, try to try to get the prices up, and I and I can assume that a lot of them will be owner occupiers as well, uh, who wants to be able to, you know, maybe potentially sell down on what they have in Sydney and Melbourne, and you know, afford an earlier, potentially earlier retirement <laughs> in uh, in yeah. Brisbane with a with a great city. Um, I do you have the average days on market at the moment for uh, in general? I mean, obviously it's suburb, but on on our. Um, suburb specific but in on average do you know what what we're seeing on at the moment in terms of last year versus what we're seeing now that's a great question and let's talk a little bit about that because um, whilst I look at that data I tend not to give it too much 
um, attention and I'll explain okay. why. The average days on market is an indicator that's reported by sales agents as to the number of days before a property um, is sold. sold. Now, there's a lot of confusion around, you know, how that's measured in my opinion and because of my research background, I'm, I'm really um, focused on trying to understand the data and data is only good as, as good as what it is made up of. Now, what we're seeing on the ground is that properties are listed um, during the week on a Tuesday or up to right up until the Friday. The open home happens on a Saturday and they are under contract on that Saturday or the following Monday. Now, my measure of days on market in that instance is, is less than five or seven. However, when we see the numbers come through, um, through RP data, um, you know, the databases that we use through CoreLogic, um, the days on market indicator is measured at a much higher rate. Now, it may be that agents are recording days on market as being the time until you have an unconditional contract. Now, that in itself skews the whole interpretation of days on market. So it is my opinion that being on the ground and understanding when a property is listed and knowing when that property is going to contract, which effectively in my um, book is, is the days on market, regardless of when it goes unconditional, um, in now, right now in Brisbane, in the locations that we buy, that would be less than seven. But I know that CoreLogic data is still showing days on market indicators much, much higher. So I think that people need to be cautious relying solely on data to um, determine where is the right place to buy because being on the ground and understanding what's happening in real time is a much more accurate indicator, um, especially when it comes to the way some of the data is collected and interpreted um, by the big research firms. So, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, days on market is obviously a lagging indicator, like you said, too. Um, so it's not a true reflection. Plus, there could be errors in terms of how agents and, you know, everyone perceives. Some 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 people might, as soon as it goes on the contract, they'll record the number of days. As you pointed out, some people might decide to actually leave it until it goes unconditional uh, in that sense, then record that number. So, so there's no consistency in the sense of how they measure that, is there? That's right. The reliability yeah. is there. The, you know, I think if we were looking at the reliability of the data, we could question that. But, um, yeah, right. you know, I'd certainly love to see some more, more clarity around how that is um, collected as, as an indicator for property markets because it doesn't seem to align with when we're actually um, cross-checking what we're experiencing yep. with certain properties that we're putting contracts forward on and then what's consequently reported in the actual data for that listing. So um, I know in RP data we can see the days on market um, as an indicator that pops up uh, for every property when a property is listed for sale. But um, quite often there's no correlation between what we're seeing on the ground and what's mm. actually recorded. So, you know, I think people need to be mindful if they are looking at those indicators um, solely to make decisions about where to buy, but being out on the ground and um, experiencing um, what's happening in real time is going to give you the best um, information. And in the current environment, given the fact that transactions are, are happening so fast, um, what will be your advice for investors uh, in, in the current hot market, you know, which is such a booming market, it's very difficult to, to make a decision, you know, how do they, how do they prepare themselves best in order to, to give themselves to be able to get a property? That is a great question. And my, um, my advice in relation to that is be ready to buy. Um, the, the market in Brisbane is unforgiving and because you are competing with a lot of other uh, buyers for a property, 
Um, most of the properties in Brisbane are listed by private treaty, which means they're listed for sale and then you can put forward an offer uh, typically after you've inspected that property. We have a um, an auction campaign at times on properties. However, the number of properties that sell by auction is, is much, much smaller in Brisbane compared to the likes of Sydney and Melbourne. So that said, if an investor is actually looking to secure an opportunity in Brisbane at the moment, one, they need to understand the value of the property before they're actually inspecting. Two, they need to be finance ready. I can't stress that enough because if you're putting forward an offer that is conditional to um, obtaining a finance approval, if you have long terms, there's going to be multiple other offers sitting on the table and ultimately a seller and a sales agent is looking for an unconditional offer as soon as possible. Um, you know, there's risks in the current market because of the prices people are having to pay in stretching just to secure a property if you are relying on finance. So, um, you know, putting cash on conditional offers, if you are a buyer that's relying on finance, that's a big risk. You really need to ensure that you're protecting your interest as a buyer with a finance clause if you are relying on bank valuations, because even valuers are finding it difficult to put a price on a property at the moment in such a rapidly appreciating market. Um, and, and my other advice to buyers is um, clean up your conditions. You know, um, if you are looking to have a building and pest inspection completed on a property, make sure you've lined up your building and pest inspector as quickly as possible. Because if you put an offer on a property on a Saturday and you start ringing around on a Monday for building and pest inspectors in Brisbane, you will find you won't get one within the time frame that um, you need. So having those people lined up ready to book, even putting in tentatively tentative bookings in place will really help you to tighten up those terms and um, tighten up those timeframes. Um, at the end of the day, under multiple offer conditions, price matters, but in an event that two prices are very similar, um, a seller will look at the conditions and having tight conditions or clean conditions is going to put your offer in a more favourable position that would be considered by a seller. Yeah. Do you think, Melinda, looking at the activity in the market, uh, that RBA may be a little bit is concerned or will be concerned uh, and they might try and lift rates or just make it difficult in general by changing regulations around the banking or I mean around the financial products uh, to slow down the market a little bit or uh, I mean it's pretty hot for, for the cycle that is just getting started it's a very hot start it is a very hot start. Um, and look, at the end of the day, they, they you know, make various policy decisions to manipulate the market and that's what history has shown that they've done previously. Um, I think they need to be very cautious about the steps that they take. I know last time they, you know, made big changes to, you know, increase the cost to property investors getting into the market. But, you know, right now the macroeconomic conditions are a little bit different in that there's such a shortage in some areas areas uh, for um, investment properties for tenants to rent. So if they bring in similar restrictions um, again, and that means more property investors are sitting out of the market, that might create a tenancy crisis. So I think that government needs to be very careful um, in how they, you know, manipulate the market through policy. Um, and, you know, with the RBA, their statements have been fairly consistent that interest rates will remain low for the next two to three years until the inflation is brought back within the, um, the, the boundary that they're, they're wanting to target. So, 
you know, it's hard to say, Jazz. I, I don't know the answer to the question. Um, history has shown that they have stepped in to, you know, change the direction of a market in the past. Whether they'll do that again, um, time will tell. Yeah, we saw that in New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand two weeks ago, this is what we were discussing with Kate, who's an expert in Melbourne property market. Uh, New Zealand just changed the rule for investors where uh, the loan-to-value ratios are 60-40, basically. So you have to come up with a 40% deposit. Um, my my guess is, and this is sheer guess, uh, that if it keeps going the way it's going right at the start of the cycle, <laughs> um, it uh, will see something like that or just other regulations being put in place. Um, otherwise, we'll probably see property prices double in two weeks. <laughs> Seems like that's happening. I think the big difference at the moment is that this property... Um, boom is being driven by those owner occupiers. And I think we're seeing that in the lending data. Previously, um, you know, there was 30 to 40% of all loans being written were to investors. That's not the case anymore. It's less than 20%, I believe, looking at the most recent data. So at a national level, we're looking at a very different set of circumstances in terms of which buyers are driving this demand. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, they do do in the future because, look, it can't continue at this rate forever. Um, there may be some pent-up demand off the back of, um, you know, a slower market throughout 2020, um, but time will tell as to whether there is going to be a slowdown or whether this, um, you know, strong demand continues into the months ahead. Yeah, will be interesting to watch. We'll keep an eye out. Now, one of the trends that we saw in the Melbourne market, and you already touched on it, is um, we saw, we are seeing the uh, rental demand being very, very strong uh, especially in the middle and the outer ring, along with the sales volume being very high. Are you seeing similar things in Brisbane market as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I touched on the fact before we've seen total listing volumes down nearly 29% across the 12 months, but at the same time, we've seen sales volumes increase. So what that means is that we've seen more old stock being purchased by the buyers that have come into the market. So um, you know, that's an indicator that people are prepared to, to soak up everything that's there, um, even in the absence of brand new listings coming to the market. Mm -hmm. So I do think that um, we'll see, you know, the sales volumes continue to trend higher, but we're going to be limited to some extent by what new listings do become available to us. Um, so there's going to be a cap in terms of, you know, at what point the market starts to slow down. But at the moment, because of the demand from buyers, um, you know, I feel we need to see a huge influx in the number of properties being listed for sale before we start to see some um, price deceleration because at the moment it is really accelerating off the back of a huge imbalance between supply and demand. Mm, interesting. Um, and I feel like it's actually Brisbane's also starting to catch up in terms of the price differences because, you know, traditionally I think Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane's price differences has not been that much of a difference and now... Sydney and Melbourne has done their runs uh, back in about 2015. Brisbane hasn't had their runs, so now it's just playing a bit of catch-up right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm sure, I mean, looking at Sydney and Melbourne data now, they are they are doing another big dash as well. So <laughs> I think it's a it's a whole nation. It's a whole nation basically going on, going on a frenzy with property right now. Yeah, and I think you've touched on a really valid point there, David, because, you know, Australia is not one property market and Australia yeah. as a property market doesn't all cycle at the same rate. So Brisbane has really underperformed compared to Sydney and Melbourne over the last 10 years. Um, we could look back and see the significant growth that 
Coast, Sydney and Melbourne had up to sort of 2017. We didn't have that here in Brisbane. So um, every property market is dictated by its own um, balance between supply and demand. And we hit um, a huge um, peak in 2016 of oversupply where we had a change in our city plan that changed a lot of the inner city zoning and we saw a lot of high-density unit developments go up in a very short period of time, but we simply didn't have the demand to to absorb that level of stock and that's why we saw prices flattening. We also saw 10 years ago this year um, a significant weather event that caused Brisbane to um, experience a a a once-in-a-generation lifetime uh, sorry, a once-in-a-generation a flood event that significantly impacted property values for a number of years. So those things at a local level can also impact property markets. And, um, you know, off the back of that, we're now in a period where everything aligns for growth in Brisbane. The supply and demand imbalance is huge. We, we've had a um, significant decline in new building approvals as well as building commencements. We're only starting to see in the December building data a small uptick in um, the attached dwellings data, which means that, you know, since 2016, that's been declining in terms of the new units that are being approved and constructed. Now, nothing happens instantly. So even though we've seen a bottom out effectively and a small uptick, um, it's going to be two to three years before we see that new supply coming in. So, in that time, there's a huge undersupply because of the demand for property and the lack of um, suitable properties available to buy. Um, I think that if we reflect back on the changes in in capital cities, you know, Brisbane really outperformed all other capitals across Australia between 2002 and 2004. You know, there was a three-year period there where um, our prices increased 75%. Um, compared to, you know, much, much lower um, growth across all other cities in Australia. So I guess that's evidence that, you know, every market cycles at a different rate. Yes, you're right, Brisbane's um, affordability compared to the prices that people are paying for a similar product in Melbourne and Sydney, um, you know, the what you get in Brisbane is a lot more for your money and people are recognising that. You know, and that's why investors are actually placing themselves in Brisbane. We speak to investors every day and they can't believe how close you can buy to the CBD um, with a budget of 1.2 million. I mean, you're pretty much, you know, in a blue chip location for that budget in Brisbane, whereas um, that doesn't get you as much in Sydney and Melbourne. So it's all relative to, um, you know, property prices relative to incomes. Um, There's also a much um, wider disparity between Sydney and Melbourne compared to Brisbane. So it's more affordable based on, you know, our price to income ratios as well. So there's a lot of positive indicators that um, really put Brisbane as an investment market ahead of the other capital cities right now. And in terms of the uh, inner CBD units, I don't know whether you're tracking those at all. Um, I know that they've been slumping for the last, what, since, say, 2016, 2017, after they've had a huge influx of them in the CBD area. Mm. Has those prices started to also move, uh, as in trending north, or has it... Has it been like a bit of a two-speed economy there where houses are obviously going very, very strong, but the unit sales are still very lacklustre at the moment? It's a great question because, you know, people talk about, you know, dwelling values moving in a certain way, but dwellings are made up of different product types, as mm-hmm. you've highlighted. 
and the housing market and the unit market in Brisbane are two very separate things. Um, So if we're breaking that down, absolutely the housing market has outperformed the unit market when we look at the last 12 months. Um, We've had annual growth in the housing market at nearly 6%, 5.9% to be accurate, according to CoreLogic. Um, But the unit market, we've actually seen a small recovery just in the last um, two to three months. So units now are 1.4% above their annual trend. Um, We've seen, I think off the back of the fact that um, new approvals and new dwelling completions have really um, fallen off the cliff. Um, And then we've also seen high vacancy in the inner city unit market off the back of COVID become an issue for investors. Huge recovery in that market, to be honest. Um, you know, at the peak of the pandemic, we saw vacancy in Brisbane CBD upward of 14%, which mm. is similar to, I know, what Sydney and Melbourne experienced. But, you know, Brisbane CBD now, um, at the end of January, the vacancy is back down to 5.6%. Now, that's in line with what we have experienced in the past during the um, oversupply periods between 2016 and 2018. So there's been a huge recovery in that market. Um, And in fact, some could argue that we've reached the bottom in terms of the unit market here in Brisbane. Um, We are also just this month starting to see um, an uptick in the annual rents um, in Brisbane. So that's in the unit market. So previously, we were starting to see downward pressure on prices. And I know that based on my understanding of Sydney and Melbourne, that's been experienced in that inner city market as well. We're starting to see a a recovery in the prices achieved for rent in, in the unit market in Brisbane as well. So that's all looking a little bit more positive for those that do have units or are looking to get into the unit market. Um, but that said, yeah, the housing market has definitely outperformed. Uh, we've seen um, nearly 4.5% growth in annual rents being achieved. Anecdotally, I can absolutely say that in the inner city market, in the executive housing um just personally, a property of ours um, had a change of tenants in January. Previously, it was rented for $865 a week. Um, we've now achieved $960 per week with no change other than the current supply and demand dynamics. So, yeah, right. you know, there's people are paying high prices, um, above asking prices, in fact, when they are looking to rent a property simply because of the shortage in, in stock available. So the housing market is definitely outperforming the unit market. Um, however, we're just starting to see that unit market recover in Brisbane. So uh, perhaps, you know, it's looking brighter for the future. That's awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I think uh, a lot of listeners who unfortunately bought a lot of the plans in Brisbane um, CBD would be happy to hear that, that's for sure. So <laughs> Perhaps, and, uh, you know, I guess it's still very relative to product type and where you've bought oh, as course. well. I mean, you know, you can have... Um, one property in a complex of 100 that may not be recovering as well as the the one property that might be in a complex of six or eight close by. So it is always relative to watch your own in a particular location as well as the, the yeah. unit as a whole. But at least the trend is is obviously starting to to be up. So that's that's I think that's what those investors really want to hear at this point. <laughs> Everyone else is getting a piece of cake except us. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very yeah. true. Sorry, and of Jess. course, very affordable market to get into. I know you yes. know for units in Brisbane, anyone that's attracted to yields, um, you know you can achieve yields of six percent gross. Um, in that unit market right now. So, you know, that's not bad for a market that um, potentially has reached um, 
the, the bottom of the trough. So we'll be watching with interest in the next couple of months to see how that is tracking, but it's certainly looking more positive at the moment. That's awesome. Um, that's all I had, Melinda. David, anything else? No. Anything that you would like to leave listeners with before we wrap this up? I don't know that there's um, anything else that is of interest. Um, there's probably one thing that um, we've noticed in the data just recently is that the price spread in Brisbane um, has shown an interesting trend emerging in that that um, when we look at the growth in terms of the quartile values, um, the highest 25th percentile um, of properties, that's the highest um, quarter of property values, they're growing at the fastest rate here in Brisbane. So um, the upper 25th percentile has experienced 2.8% growth in the last three months compared to the middle 50th percentile at 2.3% growth and then the lowest 25th percentile at 2.5% growth. So the most expensive properties are leading the growth in Brisbane. Um, that's actually different to a lot of other um, markets around Australia. So that's an interesting trend. For a lot of other areas, it's the lowest, the lower value properties that are leading the market. So I guess that confirms what we've been seeing on the ground in terms of that inner city market um, being driven by those owner occupiers and, yep. and people really pushing well above the asking price. And if people are looking to purchase right now in Brisbane and you're looking at sales data from two to three months ago, um, it is now irrelevant. You really can't rely on sales data um, from two or three months ago to determine the value of a property today. Um, and in some instances, it's our job as buyers agents to help our buyers understand the current value. And, you know, when we're producing appraisals up to a certain point and telling our buyers that they need to apply a stretch factor of between 5 to 10% just to secure a property. I mean, that is a scary, scary thing for a buyer to hear. Um, and when we, when our buyer stretches 5% above the top end of our appraisal range, and remember an appraisal range is based on settled sales, so we'd never artificially inflate those for our buyers, but um, when they're stretching 5% and they are still missing out on properties, it tells you how much further other buyers are willing to stretch above the top end of what settled sales were only a couple of months ago. So, you know, people really need to be familiar with, you know, the growth in certain pockets to just to secure a property at the moment because there's not enough to buy. So this, people are scrambling over them and paying top dollar. Great. That's awesome. Um, to the listeners, market is hot, obviously. <laughs> don't rush don't over leverage like always uh, play safe stay safe and we'll see you guys next time Melinda thanks for coming on the show once again thank you Melinda thank you so much for having me again it's been a pleasure